All down. All silent. Going, going, going. Go on, Congratulations. Welcome to the Current Market Insights Podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate. Each episode, we chat with real estate author and industry leader, Peter O'Malley, to discuss the current property market conditions and provide insights to assist you on your property journey. Welcome to Current Market Insights for another week. Peter O'Malley, as always, thank you for joining me in the studio. Hi, Kieran. How are you going? I'm doing really well, Peter, really well. Uh, I want to talk to you this week about selling. You know, we've talked about this on occasion, but particularly I really want to talk about presenting your home for sale. Uh, So if you're someone who is looking to sell or just started the process or wherever you may be on that journey, uh, I'm interested in getting your thoughts, Peter, on the ways that, that vendors or sellers can best maximize the presentation of their property to make it appealing to buyers out there right now. Particularly, one of the things that we saw uh, throughout COVID was a huge uptick in renovations across the inner west in particular. Uh, I wonder, what are your thoughts on renovation as a, as a technique for, for improving the presentation of a home for sale? Uh, and is it, I guess, the most cost-effective maintenance kind of work that you can do to your home? Kieran, it's a often discussed topic, this one, for home sellers that are coming to market, and it's really important that they get a plan in place and undertake research to make sure they get this one right. Because I've seen many people spend $150,000, $200,000 on their property getting it ready for the marketplace, and they increase the value of that property, but only by a fraction of the amount they've spent. So they've essentially overcapitalized before going on the market in terms of presenting it to sell. Um, so there's a couple of basic rules that I think can help people today that, that may be considering coming to market and wondering what the best commercial outcome is. And the first point I'd say there is any money you invest in the property once you've decided to sell it is an investment. And when you invest, you want a profit. So if I'm putting a dollar in, am I getting more than a dollar out in simplistic terms? And when you talk about paying retail price for renovations with a view to then going straight on the market and profiting on on those retail priced renovations, that's very difficult to do. So the point there is that it's very difficult to put a $50,000 kitchen in and hope that it adds $100,000 in value to the property. You're probably better off repairing where the existing kitchen needs to be repaired and leaving it to the next person to put the kitchen in that they want. Yes, the sale price may be slightly lower, but you won't have invested $50,000 in a kitchen that the next person may or may not like. So we find as a general rule of thumb that home sellers profit more on repairs than renovations when it comes time to sell. Do you find that... uh Vendors or sellers who decide to, to make a decision and do a renovation or even a repair in some cases, do they become a little bit stubborn around the pricing then for the property? Do they invest emotionally as much as they do financially in you know that outcome being obviously 
profitable. As you mentioned, you know, you don't want to invest for a negative outcome. That's that's right. And that's that's all part of a real estate agent being involved at the presentation stage of the property and giving good pragmatic vi- advice about where it's smart to spend money on a home and where it's smart to avoid spending money. So I think if you look at the things that cause home buyers to um, not engage with a property, they're concerned about plumbing issues, leaks, damp, subfloor issues, roofing issues, leaking roofs. They're the sorts of remedial works that if a buyer reads about those or can smell damp when they're in the home, for example, or sees active leaks, they won't really hang around to engage with that property. So there's no point putting a $50,000 kitchen in very basic terms into an unrenovated house when it's got a leaking roof. I think it's it's wise to make sure that the, the house is comfortable and livable and, and presented well, but you need to stop short of paying a retail price to Harvey Norman or whoever the service provider is or your builder, paying a retail price to get wholesale renovations done and then profiting on those from the open market six weeks later. If you're in the trade and you can do things for less than the average person can do them for at the moment, by all means, go ahead and do so. Yeah, I think too, uh, you know, being in the trade, you've probably got some reasonable insights into what, you know, buyers are potentially looking for out there. Uh, I think it's, you made a very good point that what you decide might be a great $50,000 kitchen may not necessarily, you know, appeal to me as a buyer. Uh, and I may have looked at the space and thought, gosh, it would be nice to do this or this or this. So, uh, you know, very, uh, very good, good sort of thoughts there, Peter. And with Inner West Homes, if I can say that often the bathroom is at the back of the house because it's tacked on to the back of the house during the history of the home's evolution from 1880 or 1900. And if your kitchen's in the middle of the house with the bathroom running off the back of it, and then you spend tens of thousands of dollars renovating the kitchen and the bathroom, but renovating them in the wrong location as to where the home buyer wants them, you're actually going to turn people off your property in that instance because people are going to come in and say, Kieran wants me to pay him a premium for this renovated kitchen and bathroom. I can see he's just renovated it and replaced them, but I don't want them there. I'd have moved the, the, the bathroom further into the house and opened the back up, uh, the kitchen up, so that it opens out onto the courtyard. So I don't really want to now pay Kieran for a kitchen and a bathroom that I don't want. Would it be safe to say then that uh, you know poorly planned renovations could in fact reduce the sale price of a property below in, what it may have in, gotten? In certain un- instances, yeah. Yeah, okay. And again, that that's why repairs are smarter in many instances than paying for retail renovations. No, good advice, Peter. Look, you you mentioned uh, a range of things that the buyers typically may be turned off by, you know, damp, leaks, roofing issues, that kind of thing. What steps should a potential seller or a, you know, soon-to-be seller take just to make sure that they're aware of all of these issues and, and can address them, you know, potentially before they go to market? What I would advise is to get a building inspection report done on your property before you elect to market it and sell it. And look at that report as though you were a home buyer buying that property. Because let's face it, things accumulate in our homes and offices slowly around us and we don't tend to notice them. But rest assured, when a home buyer walks into your property for the first time, they'll they'll notice a scratch on the wall, never mind a a leak, a subtle leak in the roof or a, or, or a bathroom where the membrane's cracked. Uh, 
So I think getting a uh, pest and building inspection report done and, and looking at your home as a home buyer uh, will do, whilst it might be confronting, it might also be the reality check that saves you a lot of heartache once you are on the market. Going along from there, let's say as a seller, we get the report done and the builder says, hey, look, there's you know damp in these walls. You might want to do something there or whatever it might be. You go ahead and do the work. Would you recommend uh, a seller then to get a new building inspection done uh, and provide that report as part of the sale as a way of kind of you know just, just heading off any inquiry at the past? That's so, right. For a, reduced, it's, for a reduced cost, the building inspector will come back and update um, his report in all reality. And it's now customary, not law, but it's now customary for vendors to provide pest and building inspections up front for the, the benefit of the purchasers. Yeah, certainly uh, it doesn't seem like there could be any negatives to come from you know providing as much information as possible to any potential buyers. Well, disclosure builds trust in selling, Kieran. So if there are some flaws in, in your home and you don't want to deal with them, disclosing them is really important because it takes the energy out of the objection. If you try and uh, hide or, or not mention a genuine issue that exists in your home and the buyer finds out about that issue on a path of discovery, that'll have a far greater negative impact on that buyer's psyche than if you just told them up front. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing can undo trust quicker than, uh, you know, getting a surprise. Non-disclosure. Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, Peter, I'm interested. Let's pretend we're on this journey. We've, we've done our building inspection. We've, we've done some remedial work or renovation or whatever it might have been that we've decided to do. We're coming to the point of sale. I've had multiple discussions with people who are mixed on this issue, uh, whether or not uh, they prefer their property to be styled or whether it should be sold empty. Do you have any thoughts? I think a property being sold styled rather than empty in most instances is the way to go. From my experience in showing home buyers properties, Kieran, they struggle to understand uh, how properties are how they present spatially when they're vacant. Furniture, and it doesn't have to be great furniture, but furniture in a room, furniture props, gives a, gives a room context. It does give it a little bit of atmosphere as well, where a vacant room looks style, and it's very difficult for some people who are not spatially aware to understand the, the, the true size dimensions and practicalities of of those of those rooms. So I've seen home buyers look at a large vacant bedroom and call it a small bedroom, and I've also seen home buyers look at an empty bedroom that's small and say it's large. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's because they're not spatially aware. Oh, I think it's uh, you know definitely hard to picture yourself in, in a room if it's got nothing there that you've got no re- frame of reference. I guess frame of reference indeed. Uh, look, I I wonder then. Let's let's talk along the same vein as doing renovation, say, to a kitchen. Do you run the risk if you style a property and the buyers don't like the style that potentially you are you may turn people away from a purchase? When you're selling anything, what you have to accept at the outset is that you won't be able to appeal to everyone. So you're looking for best commercial outcome. And sometimes in pursuing best commercial outcome, there's a segment of the market that you will not be playing to because you've opted to go another way. So let's say you have a tired kitchen and you opt to go to the market with a tired kitchen with some basic repairs to it. You are ruling out that time poor, cashed up home buyer that wants to move into a property and not do a thing. The, the turnkey buyer, yeah, as they're called? Yeah, that's right. But to appeal to that buyer, 
as we've pre- just discussed, you might need to put in a $50,000 kitchen that only adds $25,000 to the value. Therefore, that buyer is not worth pursuing. Yeah, absolutely. So moving a little bit forward then, Peter, we've, we've decided we're going to style the property. Yep. Even, well, potentially even before we've styled it, is there any, I guess, resources or people that you know the seller should be talking to? Should, should they be getting other opinions or should they be trusting themselves to kind of make all these decisions? Do you think it's worth, you know, we've talked about trusted advisors in other capacities in real estate before. Do you think there's a space for that kind of person, uh, for, for someone looking to sell their home as well? Well, staging, styling, whatever you want to call it, has really risen in prominence in the last 15 years. Uh, So when I first started in real estate, very few people would get a stylist or a styling package in on, on, on a property when selling it. So we sold lots of investment properties, essentially vacant. The thing about styling now, what I would say to any homeowner with a vacant property is that you are competing when you go to market with 80% of the market that is dressed to sell, styled to sell. So if you go with a vacant property, you've now put yourself at a shortcoming um, or given an advantage to the other competing sellers in the marketplace. And you may be comfortable with that, that the buyers can see the, the value equation in your property and decide to run with that. And sometimes with an unrenovated rambling house that you know, need serious renovation, maybe styling is not the right thing to do in that instance. I think you need to um, take a pragmatic view with your property. Does uh, investing in styling, does it come back profitable? And in most instances, it probably does, but not in every instance. No, so definitely uh, worth talking to the agent and getting you know a, a trusted opinion of, of what they think the outcome will be. Yeah, yeah we do go that, that so way. So I guess when we're talking about vacant properties, we're talking um, about, on the whole, investment properties that are being sold off or unfortunately deceased estates, for example. Can I say that I've seen real estate agents move the homeowner out of the property and encourage it to be styled? Now, I, I think that's a step too far. Um, if you are selling your home, there are steps that you can make to make it more presentable, but um, I would question any any agent that tells you to move out of your home so they can dress it to be a showpiece and you head down the road and hire a house elsewhere while I hire furniture to put in your existing home. I've seen that a few times over the years. I'll see it <laughs> a couple in, more, maybe a couple more, and, and, and that seems outrageous. Oh, look, that, that sounds absurd to me. I mean, you talk about making changes that are profitable. I, I'm maybe not a super intelligent guy, but to me, moving out of your home and spending extra money on you know rent somewhere else so that you can sell uh, seems like a, a negative equation to me. And that's right. You've mentioned the word profitable, making profitable decisions and moving out and taking another property elsewhere whilst you then hire furniture to go into your existing home. It's very hard to justify that as being profitable. No, Absolutely. I'm interested, you talk about styling, you know, we, well, we mentioned that it gives a frame of reference to a buyer and allows them to kind of visualize the space in a much more, uh, I guess, accessible manner. Does the same apply if you're selling a, an investment property that's tenanted? Would it be safe to say then, look, we just leave the tenants here because obviously they've got furniture and things and they live here normally. Will that have the same impact for a buyer as, say, potentially, you know, doing something else or moving them out and then styling? Look, it's a sensitive issue and it's case by case. Um, I don't want to say you should work with every tenant that you meet and I'm not saying that you should move um, every tenant that you meet out just for the sake of it. Some tenants will offer a presentation 
that allows the property to achieve full market value. And uh, through no fault of the tenants, maybe they offer a presentation that doesn't allow the property to achieve full market value, in, in which case it's best to sell it vacant. I do find that agents jump very quickly and too quickly to the conclusion that the landlord should move the tenants out and hire some furniture. Now, that seems like good clinical professional advice, but before you go ahead and do that with your investment property that you're going to be selling in the future, you must keep in mind that when you move the tenants out, you forfeit the income. When you hire furniture in, you gain a cost at the same time that you forfeited your income. And the kicker to moving the tenants out and hiring furniture, Kieran, is that the settlement, once you do find a buyer, can take anywhere between 8 and 12 weeks. And the property sits there for another 8 to 12 weeks, not generating a dollar. So as a first port of call, I always promise every landlord that that I'm selling for that I will try and work with the existing tenant if the tenant chooses to do so, so that we can continue getting an income during the campaign. There is a chance the property may not sell, in which case the tenant didn't need to move and the landlord didn't need to forfeit income. And there's a chance that the eventual purchaser will be an investor to some degree where they're happy to continue working with the existing tenant, if not an outright investment play. So there's many benefits for working with the existing tenant, provided you can get a presentation that that, that is conducive to full market price. The best way to get a presentation that is conducive to full market price from a sitting tenant is to lead and offer a rent reduction for cooperation. If you are going to impose on a tenant by running a sales campaign over the top of their occupancy of their rental property, it's only fair that you offer a compensation in in, in turn. Now, it's not um, legislated that a landlord needs to offer a tenant a rental reduction if they're selling the property they uh, are living in, but it's smart play by the same token. Oh, look, it's absolutely good good business. I, uh, you and know, it's common decency. Oh, look. Yeah, it is. I you know, can talk from first-hand experience. My wife and I, we had our first child. Uh, we had the place we were in sold out while we were tenants, and it was a horrible experience. You know, people constantly coming in, phone calls all the time, leaving doors open. You know, it's it's particularly with a young baby, it was a very unpleasant pleasant time for us. Highly untrus- intrusive. Oh, look, it is. And we, you know, we would have jumped at a rent reduction at the time, but that certainly wasn't offered to us. Look, I think You've made some really good points there, Peter, and one of the things I really want to, uh, I guess, highlight for the for our listeners is that early communication is key in these scenarios. If you if you have a sitting tenant, obviously notification needs to be made to them that you know the property is going for sale anyway. But I think there are steps and and measures that can be taken to ensure that that relationship is as good as can be given the circumstance. Uh, and if everyone works together, I think everyone can really benefit in these kind of scenarios. Indeed. And we've we put some thought bubbles out there today in this chat, Kieran, but there is not one size fits all. There is not one right answer to how to present a property to, to the marketplace. You need to work with the trusted advisor, as you say, and come up with the right plan for your sale and your property. Good advice as always, Peter. As we cut it off, final question. If I'm a seller on a budget, you know, I've got no money or or very little money, but I do need to sell or I want to sell. What's the simplest hack or simplest thing I can do to best present my property that isn't going to break the bank? Think repairs, not renovations. Yeah. You get a lot of bang for your buck through painting. You can give a a dull property or a flat property a good bounce, you know, uh, sanding um, floorboards, re-carpeting. 
some basic trimmings, um, you know, uh, decluttering, working the garden, uh, washing down the facade of the house and making sure everything is clean and presentable and, and respected by the by the occupant to show the prospective buyers that while this may not be the most renovated property in the suburb, it's the most loved. Uh, great advice, Peter. And I think uh, the, the beauty of those last few suggestions is any one of those can be done by almost anyone, you know, anyone themselves over a couple of weekends. Look, that's all we've got time for today, Peter. As always, thank you for joining me and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for joining us on the Current Market Insights podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate, the podcast providing real estate insights you won't find anywhere else.